electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but educate, teach, put in context. Call me 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now that we're on the cusp of earnings season, we need to prepare ourselves. This is a time of tremendous opportunity, but it's also a time of constant mistakes that can cost you fortunes. The house of pain. If you don't know what to watch out for. So rather than obsessing over today's action, was positive. Dow gaining 186 points, S&P advancing 0.70%, NASDAQ climbing 1.01%. A session that again showed a nice contrast to last year's bear market. I want to get you ready for earnings, which could change everything that's happened since the year began. Above all, let's just put it out there. This is the most chaotic time of the year. Companies don't coordinate when they decide to report, so the whole process is nuts. Take Friday morning. We got a bunch of bad. Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Bank of America. It's like all these companies are trying to, I don't know, how about give me a heart attack? There's simply no time to make considered judgments in this moment. Instead, we get foolish comparisons based on a few metrics and nothing more. But the truth is far more complicated. Sure, we want to know if these banks are seeing delinquency spike. We want to know if there's loan growth. We want to know how much they're making off your deposits. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Some banks are moving aggressively into digital. Bank of America's got the best major digital bank operation in the world. Others are trying to become asset gatherers to take on less risk, like Morgan Stanley. Fortunately, they report next week. J.P. Morgan wants to offer all, offer all things to all people, from investment banking to trading to wealth management to consumer banking. So others like Wells Fargo are trying to deal with the sins of the past, how much leeway the regulators have. It might, but what can they do in the present? It's very confusing. There's just no way you can compare these banks with any specificity. It's kind of like comparing zebras with gazelles or giraffes with hippos. It makes no sense. Yet we do it because they report at the same time and are therefore pitted against each other. So first rule of earnings season, do not succumb to instant analysis. No need for it. Investing's honestly not that time sensitive as long as you don't put a gun to your head. Second rule of earnings, the first move 
it's often the wrong move. When I got in this business, companies would release their earnings. You dutifully match it to the consensus of what the analysts were looking for. You do it, do it all by hand, putting more weight on the analysts with better track records. Then you could judge whether it was really better or worse than expected. Ah, oh, all that's out the window. These days, we have so many services providing consensus estimates for sales and earnings. If the companies report any line item that's weaker than those aggregate estimates, then their stocks, well, they just go down. Sell, sell, sell. Forecast cuts are disastrous. Because we are still in a quasi-bear market, despite the action of the first few days of the year, forecast boosts may not be enough to move stocks higher. There's a rush among the services to be first, and there's a rush among traders to be first, too. This haste is totally unnecessary. If you're inclined to make instant judgments based on what are often computer-generated headlines, not human, but computer, you should just go to the racetrack or, you know, why not play DraftKings? It'll be more fun, probably more lucrative. These knee-jerk reactions to the headline numbers don't even take into account what's said on the conference call, especially when the CFO gives you the forecast in the middle of the call, the most important moment of the entire exercise. But the conference call is where all the important information is. If you buy or sell before it happens, you're begging to lose money. More on that later. Third rule, please, don't take your cue from the tape. During earnings season, I make most of my decisions without even looking at the stock. I only check it for validation afterwards. I have a set view of, say, how well Fargo is going to do on Friday, and then I compare it to the reality of what the stock says it's going to do. This is a complicated situation. So anyone who takes action immediately, you're guessing. But investing is not guessing. If you don't have a view of what you want to hear from a given company, you should forget about taking action during earnings season. I believe in buying and holding with homework or buy and homework. If you haven't done the homework, don't buy the stock. Definitely don't buy it because you heard someone say something good about it on TV, including me. You need to know how you feel about a company yourself before you pull the trigger. You need to know what you're looking for from the results. I can help, but in the end, it's your call. This very morning, squawk on the street, David Carl and I talked about how some famous investors feel about the market right now. I demurred. They're entitled to change their minds, and they often do on the spot. So there's not much point speculating. In fact, I started my charitable trust and created the Investing Club to show you how Jeff marks my compadre and I arrive at these decisions. That doesn't make them right, but at least shows you how we got there, because we play with an open hand. You see, everything that we decide because that's what I wanted, even if it be, of course, pretty embarrassing. How can I teach if you don't see or understand why I'm doing what I'm doing? But everyone else, and I mean everyone else, plays with a closed hand because informing the public simply isn't their job description. And it's because it's so darn embarrassing. That's why I'm so focused on revealing the thought process of professional money managers. I want you to know how it really goes on. And what matters here is that earnings season is very treacherous. And I show you that. Don't make it worse by taking action before you've thought through what's really going on. Don't take your cue from the tape or from some talking head. Fourth rule, if you haven't read the conference call, you won't do as well as the person who has. Oftentimes, the question and answer session is the single most important part because you can tell whether the analysts are truly happy with the quarter by their reaction to it. If you get a positive question from an analyst who has a hold on the stock, one that includes a congratulations to the management, you might have a potential upgrade the next morning. You get two or three of these conversions on a conference call, and it could be time to pounce because the stock's about to get some major endorsements. Finally, rule number five, if you're not a professional money manager and you don't have a gun to your head, you don't have to do anything. 
In fact, the best thing you can do during earnings season is to read the conference call at your leisure until you know everything in it that you need to know. Then you'll know if it's a good opportunity in a stock because the quarter was wildly misinterpreted. And that's, by the way, what I think happened to Constellation Brands, STZ, with a stock that cratered last week, okay? It's now working its way back in a pretty methodical, rational fashion, which is why we're sticking with it in the charitable trust. Remember, this is, this is Corona Modelo. Uh, these opportunities don't usually come out on the same day, but maybe the day later. I find, by the way, if you're looking for good information, that our interviews on Mad Money with CEOs who've seen their stocks obliterated that same day are often very telling. If they're saying they're going to be big buyers, either with the company's money or their own, you may have a terrific opportunity. And that's what happened right here when Bill Mullins, who's the CEO of Constellation Brands, came on. He made it clear that the company would allocate a lot more money for buybacks, given the huge decline in the stock in that very day, that very day session. So that's what you're looking for. And, of course, you can see, so the stock goes down here on an overreaction. Bill Newlands comes on Mad Money, says that things are actually not nearly as bad as people think, and that December's actually gotten better. And now the stock's working its way back to the point where we had a really terrific piece by Bonnie Herzog, one of my favorite analysts from Goldman Sachs, saying it's been totally misunderstood and it's time to buy. Remember, earnings season is about three weeks a quarter, three, 12 weeks in the whole year, just 12 out of 52, thank heavens. It's the hardest time to make decisions because there are so many decisions to make. That increases the odds that you'll make bad ones. So the bottom line, be careful, be prudent, and no matter what you do, don't be fast. This is a tortoise and the hare situation. So take it slow because you definitely want Aesop on your side. Let's go to Phil in California. Phil. Hello, Jim. I'm a first-time caller and a long-time listener. My question is on Tesla. The valuation suggests an incredible growth of earnings and revenue, and the company is also a voracious user of cash. However, the demand for their cars is slowing down, and they also have a lot of competition as well, with most of these companies selling at around 10 times earnings. What do you think of the valuation of Tesla right now? Okay, well, look, the other cars are, candidly, they have internal combustion engines, but aren't that well, and they have to advertise a lot. I see he's going away. Uh, they have to advertise a lot. And frankly, uh, when I look at Tesla, it has come down a great deal. Now, it's not one of my favorites, but let's remember, it is down a lot. Uh, Elon Musk has been distracted by Twitter, but I don't want to count him out. And it does make a lot of money. You said it burns a lot of cash. The important thing is it's, ex- it's extremely profitable for a car. Let's go to Jeff in New York, please. Jeff. Hello, Mr. Kramer. This is Jeff from Sotus in western New York, Buffalo Bills country. Oh, my. It's so great that that young man's come back, isn't it? That's fantastic, it's Hamlin. Perfect. What's going on? The stock I'm calling about is a retail stock that's up 50% since October. All three of my kids have asked for their products this Christmas, and all their friends are schooled are wearing it. I also noticed a lot of old guys like me wearing their recently acquired brand. Hey, dude, what do you think of Crocs? Oh, I like Crocs. I wear mine. It's funny. My wife's not crazy about it, but they gave me a pair of Eagles brand Crocs. And I think it's a terrific stock and it's going to continue because even though it's had a remarkable move, it is still very, very inexpensive on earnings. So Crocs is a winner. Be careful. Be prudent. And no matter what you do, don't be fast. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, with the price of natural gas collapsing, what does it do mean for the future of Coterra Energy, which the CBC Investing Club has in the charitable trust? 
I've got the CEO. Then the action of home builder stocks is certainly flying in the face of logic. What gives? I'm going off the charts to find out. And come on and join Farmer Jim as we go off the tape to learn more about Back to the Roots, a company working to change the way you and I think about gardening. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What do we do now with the now beaten down largely natural gas plays like Kramer Fave Kotara Energy, which we own for the for the travel trust? Here's a group that caught fire after Russia invaded Ukraine last February as the price of the underlying commodity soared. With more limited access to Russian gas, Western Europe has been desperate to import liquefied natural gas from the U.S. And Qatar has got great holdings. Remember, this is the company that's created by the merger of the Cabot Oil and Gas and Simrex. We bought it for the Chapel Trust because it's got a generous variable dividend policy. It gives you a huge yield, currently 10.9% based on its latest payout. But lately, the price of natural gas has just collapsed. It's now down 64% from the highs last August. And Qatar is also facing some company-specific issues. That's why the stock's fallen from 36 in June to around 25 today. So what do we do? Let's check in with Tom Jordan. Tom is the president and CEO of Qatar Energy. Get a better read on the situation. Mr. Jordan, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having us. 
All right. So, Tom, we know that we have a very low price for natural gas right now. But uh, that and that's weather related. But what do you think about the long term constructive demand for both natural gas and oil with the way Qatar is set up? Well, we're bullish on both, Jim. That's why we have the portfolio we have. And, you know, natural gas is somewhat ironic. If you if you go back a year ago, the forward strip was about where it sits today. And we were thrilled then a year ago. And today we're hanging our heads because of the year we've had. But uh, prices are constructive on both oil and gas, and our returns are really extraordinary at, at current conditions. All right. Now, you did return in 2022 of probably $4 billion to shareholders, because that tremendous progress on the big buyback and obviously the cash dividends. Do you feel that your properties will continue to allow you to maintain those large payouts? Without question. Uh, we have great properties. We like the mix of revenue between natural gas, natural gas liquids, and oil. We're about 50% natural gas, 50% liquids. And that gives us stability through price cycles. We can never predict the price go forward, but we can control being good at the business, being disciplined in our investments, and really managing a, a prudent, healthy balance sheet. So we're in great shape. All right, so, Tom, you know, a lot of people question to me, I mean, for instance, I'm reading a Truist report recently, which talks about the idea of whether there was a true impairment that happened. And I'm going to read the sentence. The question was the 32 to 36 percent decrease for the Marcellus Shale properties in Pennsylvania, as only 25 percent of the reduction was related to the SEC five-year rule. The reason I bring this up is because there, a lot of the analysts are split about the idea of how good Cabot's assets really were going into the merger. Well, let me just begin this way. I was just reviewing our economic results in 2022 through our drilling program, and I had the pleasure of overseeing two of the very best economic returns I've seen in my career. One was in the Permian, and one was in the Marcellus. These assets are performing extraordinarily well, and Jim, you know that it's all about investing capital. That's how you maintain your cash flow for the long haul, and we have great duration there. Uh, you know, I'd love to answer any questions you have on our reserve issue, but these assets are terrific. All right, that does matter because I think, for instance, there's just a wide range of people trying to assess what Kotar is. I'll give you an example. Uh, we just got a Mizuho report today, very bullish, which says natural gas accounts for 70% of Qatar production, but only 40% of its revenues. But you gave us a natural gas, natural gas liquids. Uh, Tom, explain to us why it's so hard for people to understand the fact that you have terrific, two different, terrific companies put together with one great CEO. Why is this so hard? Well, one is we don't look like anybody else. And, and people are always trying to put EMP companies in a box and comp them with their peers. And Coterra really is a new entity. And that's why we were so excited in bringing these assets together. We have some of the best assets in our sector, stability of cash flow throughout commodity cycles. And we have an organization that will go at any challenge we face. But, it, but we're hard to compare with others. And, and we get it. We're going to have to perform over time. And I, I really look forward to silencing our critics as time goes on. Well, I have to tell you, uh, one of the critics mentioned me about Qatar. I said, OK, so imagine it had been a cold winter in Europe. Imagine if Russia had done a little bit better in the war. You know, we'd be talking about Qatar at 50. So let's give Tom Jordan a little break. You've got the worst natural gas market ever. And you still intend to return a lot of capital to shareholders. Well, I, I don't get the let's give Tom a break very much, Jim. So you just keep uh, banging the drum, right? <laughs> 
All right, so let's, uh, let's uh, get back to some of the natural gas uh, geopolitical situation. Where do you see we can max out, given the fact that you don't have a lot of pipe coming from Marcellus? If you did, it would be a, just a dream come true for Kotara. Well, the nice thing about Kotera is we also have great assets in the Anadarko and the Permian, in addition to our Marcellus. So our ability to bring additional gas volumes are not solely constrained to the Marcellus. Now, we do long for new natural gas pipelines. I, I remain an optimist on that. It makes too much sense, not only for the United States, but for the world. And, uh, you know, I remain hopeful, and we're going to continue to push that. But we have lots of different levers to pull when it comes to growing our gas volumes. Now, will you continue to buy back stock or are there these levels? Are there some natural gas properties that you should buy because things have really come down? Well, right now, when I look at the sector and the assets on the market, I, I think Cotera is some of the best ways to buy additional reserves. And so we, uh, you know, we'll be discussing that in our board meeting uh, next month. But uh, we remain committed to the philosophy of a buyback. And I, you know, we've talked about that at length. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me to see our board want us to continue to do it. And uh, the last thing I wanted to know, I was with someone who's very big in your industry yesterday and said, well, you ought to ask Tom, are we the most powerful force in oil and gas in the world today? I, I think without question, uh, United States, if you, if you look over the last 20 years and see what happened in the United States, where we went from crippled and completely uh, on a malaise of energy dependency to becoming the world's largest producer. And you compare that with what happened in Europe over those last 20 years, where Europe went from 90 or 68% dependency to 90% dependency, pivoted to a single supplier with Russia. The United States is in the catbird seat here. Uh, we have the strongest energy security of any nation on the planet and the ability to evangelize that energy and support our allies. I, I, I just hope we don't squander that. Well, I'll tell you, if there are people like you involved, I doubt we will, because you're a great spokesman for both the industry and for, for Kotara, as you have been for years since you've been coming on the show. Tom Jordan, president and CEO of Kotara Energy, thank you so much for coming on, Tom. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. It's always a pleasure. Okay. May have money's back in. Coming up. Will this year offer a home field advantage for housing? Kramer goes off the charts next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.
every time you hear Fed Chief Jay Powell talk about taking unpopular measures to beat inflation, you got to believe him. I know we've finally gotten some slowing economic data in recent days. Terrific. And that may mean that maybe the Fed will be less aggressive with its rate hikes, but it doesn't mean the rate hikes are over. Far from it. Maybe it's the difference between maybe a 50 basis point, double hike, a normal 25 basis points, you know. But there comes a point where I think you and I understand the negativity starts to be baked in. And because the market's a forecasting machine, we tend to bake in the negativity long before the bottom, before the Fed finishes tightening, before the industries most threatened by higher rates stop getting hurt. Of course, that's why the attitude on Wall Street is overwhelmingly negative. Even though we've had a nice rebound since late last week, this year's been pretty good so far. Things are starting to still getting worse, though. And we know the Fed's not done bringing the pain unless we get a multitude of data points that say otherwise. And I'm not just talking about a cooler CPI number on Thursday. However, that doesn't mean stocks in the impacted industries can't bottom. You just need to figure out if the bottoms are sustainable. That's what's important. So that's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of longtime friend of the show, Dan Fitzpatrick, terrific technician, founder of Stock Market Mentor, regular contributor to RealMoney.com. See, Fitzpatrick points out something interesting. We all know the Fed's going to keep raising rates in order to slow down the economy. They say that over and over again. They want to beat inflation. We know that rate hikes tend to have the most direct impact on housing because mortgages get more expensive. Demand tends to evaporate. So you'd think the home builders would be awful stocks here. But the charts are telling a very different story. And this is really kind of a strange, strange, it's a conundrum. In fact, virtually every single home building stock has outperformed the market since the fall. Fitzpatrick points out that many have broken out of their bases. Hey, some of these are up more than 30% from the lows. The action of the home builders flies in the face of what we think we know about the industry and the business cycle. If you believe the conventional wisdom about a Fed mandated recession, it makes zero sense for these stocks to rebound like this. Nothing I'm about to show you makes any sense at all. So here's what's happened. Look, this is a tremendous time of uncertainty. We don't really know what the big picture inflation data will look like over the next few months. We don't know what the Fed's longer term game plan will look like. We don't know when Jay Powell will stop the hikes, make them smaller, pause for a bit, wait for more data. Sometimes when the fundamentals are unknowable, though, it makes sense to forget all the big picture speculation, all the fundamental speculation, and just focus on what the darn technicals are telling us, the charts. As Fitzpatrick sees it, the charts are screaming that it's not too late to buy the home builders. In fact, you should still be buying them hand over fist. Just check out the daily chart of the Dow Jones U.S. Home Construction Index, which contains the major home building stocks. Putting aside everything we think we know about the Fed and inflation and housing industry, Fitzpatrick thinks this chart looks tremendous. He points out that we're really looking at a classic reversal pattern. Okay, look at this. See? This is the head. You know, we see... We've got the shoulder, the head, and the shoulder. That's called an inverse head and shoulders pattern. It looks like an upside-down person. So what I always like to do is draw it like that, okay? And uh, with a lower head representing the bottom between two shallower shoulder bottoms. Not to be confused with the shampoo. With an inverse head and shoulder, you get a series of lower lows, okay, lower lows. And there's a higher low, which signals the reversal is at hand. The idea here is that a series of lower highs and lower lows will ultimately turn into a space of sideways trading action. And that's what happened to the home construction index from last April through late November. Okay, so that's what you're looking at, Uh, where the index finally started breaking out. As Fitzpatrick sees it, the home builders bottomed in June. All right, right here. And the group finally formed a new uptrend in December. And see that blue line? It's broken out to a new high. So, again, 
This is that long-term shoulder, and then that head, and then the shoulder again. And it does make perfect sense, and it has broken out. Now, does it make sense that the homebuilders would have bottomed the summer? Look, we got very negative on everything that gets hurt in the recession during the spring and summer, right? Maybe these stocks got too down and out, even as we know mortgage rates will keep rising. Although, by the way, they're actually going down a bit of late. Another counterintuitive thing. As you can see from the bottom of the chart, which shows the relative strength index of the home construction index versus the SPY, the S&P 500 ETF, this group has become an incredible outperformer over the last couple of months. The chart says something good is happening here. Even as the hedge fund playbook, what we think of as when you become a hedge fund manager, says it is too early to bottom fish in the home builders. See, they would be, hedge funds would be shorting the home builders here, betting that the Fed's going to get. Jamie Dimon said they can take rates up to 6%. He runs J.P. Morgan. Well, this would be a disaster on if that's the case. But it so far it hasn't been. Maybe the charts, uh, chart senses something we don't. In that case, Fitzpatrick wants to pick the strongest of the bunch. And from a technical perspective, that is Lenar, L-E-N, which has the advantage of being among the best front players in the industry. He points out that Lenar is currently outperforming 91% of the market with a steady relative strength line. It's a clear winner and allows the environment. At the same time, the analysts are projecting 2023 will be a down year for Lenar. Well, how is that possible? Usually that's bad for stocks, but the chart's been doing really well. As Fitzpatrick sees it, that means there's a very good chance the negativity has already, again, been baked in. And that is really what you're talking about in this. Baked in. I really want everybody to understand that because it's entirely, it's impossible to get your head around it if you think, well, hold on, right now this is going up when the Fed keeps tightening? I want you to check out, this is Lenore Daily chart. Fitzpatrick notes the stock bottom last June, okay? Last June. And it's now won more than 50% off its lows. You can see a high volume reversal in June. This is where you check the volume. See that? Um, after getting clobbered, Lenar came roaring back with a massive volume spike. And, and that means we had emphatic buyers. And those, those buyers were right. Back in October, when the SP 500 printed a new low, when everyone was terrified that the Fed would have to obliterate the economy to beat inflation, Lenar's stock was still up 12% from its June low. I mean, this is rather incredible here. Now, take a look at this. Tells Fitzpatrick there's a strong demand for this home builder versus the broader market. That's not all. He likes that all of Lenar's key daily moving averages are headed higher. With the 50-day above the 150, okay, the 50 is, the 50 is red. And that's going above the 150. And get this. The one, 150 is above the 200. That's exactly what the charters like to see because it signals we've got a healthy uptrend. 200 is green. One, this, uh, the one, blue just passed that. That's very important. Fitzpatrick identifies four key phases of this move. First, Lenar broke out above its key moving averages in late October. Okay, so we can see the breakout. Second, the stock broke out of its base in early November. Breakaway. Okay. Uh, At that point, Lenar topped out at $90. You can see that this is the $90 level, uh, creating a new ceiling of resistance. Third in December, it blew through that ceiling as we got more encouraging data on inflation. The $90 ceiling then becomes a floor, okay? Finally, the NAR held at 90, and it's now pushing higher up to 96, and it's changed as of today, further confirming the uptrend, which is really amazing. Will you look at this? This is when the Fed's having the most aggressive tightening in its history. Well, Fitzpatrick would like to wait for a pullback here. He thinks you might not even get one given the strength of the stock. That's why he wants to stick with an R unless it breaks down below the 50-day moving average off roughly 10% from here, in which case, yes, his thesis is done for. So it's got to go down below that. So let me give you the bottom line of this entirely counterintuitive segment. 
The charts as interpreted by Dan Fitzpatrick suggest that we're looking at a truly counterintuitive bull market in the home builders. And even though that's not supposed to happen at this point in the business cycle, the bulls keep running anyway. Maybe it can continue with Lenar being the leader and the one to buy. Let's take calls. Let's go to Bob in New York. Bob. Hey, Jim. Um, a few weeks ago, you were speaking with Barry Sternlich of Starwood. And at that time, you mentioned to him that you would be running to his stock. A short time after that, you did an analysis of REITs you thought highly of and others, well, not so much. A glaring omission in that analysis, Jim, was Starwood, and I can't square that circle. Can you clarify for us? Boy, is that a great question, Bob. And what had happened is is that I became a little more queasy about commercial real estate, given the fact that a lot of the buildings that people have in the city are kind of empty because of the way that the work-from-home movements occurred. I still believe in Barry. Uh, I do want Barry to come on the show and break down Starwood Properties. He did it once before when the stock was here, then immediately went to 24. Barry Sternlich, Barry Sternlich is always welcome. He is the CEO of Starwood of Starwood Property, and I would love to have Barry come on to answer that exact same question that was just asked. All right, the charts is interpreted by Dan Fitzpatrick suggest we're looking at a counterintuitive bull market in the home builders and Lennar, L-E-N, who continue being the leader and the one to buy. Much more mad money had, including my sit-down with the co-founders of Back to the Roots, a company that's helped 5 million families grow their own organic food, including this one. And don't play the data parlor game, please. I'm helping you tune out the distractions and focus on what really matters to this economy. And to your holdings. Of course, your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. We've had the great fortune of being able to do this show for nearly 18 years. And one of the most rewarding things for us it's when we see a company we profiled in its earliest days grow up into something major, especially when it's in an industry that's so near and dear to my heart, gardening. Way back in 2016, we spoke with a company called Back to the Roots, a privately held startup selling indoor gardening kits and other ready-to-grow products, along with organic ready-to-eat foods. At the time, they had about $10 million in annual revenue. Six and a half years later, Back to the Roots sales have grown to roughly $100 million. In fact, it's now expanding to become a full-service outdoor garden company. Yesterday, we had a chance to catch up with the terrific co-founders and co-CEOs of Back to the Roots, Nikhil Aurora and Alejandro Velez. Take a look. Mr. Velez, Mr. Aurora, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank Thanks you for having us, Jim. I'm excited to be back. Oh, I'm glad. Alejandro, you were here 2016. Yes. Uh, wow. What were your revenues then? What are they now? We've grown quite a bit, Jim. We've gone, we were uh, roughly a $10 million company uh, back then. Uh, we've grown 10x in terms of consumer sales. It's been a crazy last few years since we were on. We're super excited to be back. And Nikhil, I, I can tell that you are no longer just indoor. You got a lot of things going. So we, give us the big plan. Yeah, we've expanded from just indoor gardening kits to now outdoor gardening solutions to all 100% organic with this kind of focus on sustainability and the next gen. And we now have organic peat-free soils, U.S. farm seeds, vegan, 100% plant and mineral-based fertilizers. So just really trying to make it easy for people to grow organically inside or outside. Okay, my worry would be that if it's organic, it's too expensive. 
Yeah, and that is, in most categories, that's actually, you know, the case where there's a premium to right. be able to grow organic uh, food or really any category. With soil, it's uh, actually a really cool opportunity. We actually have our soils at a discount to conventional soils. You're telling and, me that, because uh, you know I'm a gardener, yeah. Yeah. that uh, a peat-free actual dirt 100% organic, Jim. Is, is cheaper, cheaper than the other stuff that That's I buy. That's right. Without, so, without anything synthetic yeah. inside of it. It's all we have national. Incredible. We have national uh, manufacturing now, so obviously it's got to be uh, blended all regionally to be able to get to those economies of scale, which we've done now and uh, uh, have really done over the last couple of years. All right, so, Nicole, I, I, did, uh, I did the mushrooms, Amazing. and they were delicious. I love it. These are all the things. These are what I plant in my, you know, I've got one whole I, box that's just for spice, oh, and then, it. of course, I've got my tomatoes. So these are all, this is your next-gen line. Next time we have over 100 varieties now of organic seeds, uh, herbs, veggies, flowers, leafy greens to let you grow, honestly, whatever you want. Really focus on edible gardening, though. We've seen a huge transformation. I mean, this category was pretty stagnant for decades, right? right. Over the last, oh, yeah. really, three to four years, seen this huge transformation. Younger folks coming in, a much more diverse set of gardeners, people growing edible food now, not just lawns. And it's got kind of a huge focus on sustainability, people wanting to remove toxicity from their garden. So it's just been super fun to see the transformation in the category. And um, it's what, we're, what we're, we've been doing for the last 10 years yeah, we've been now. at this a decade, yeah. right, but not, we, feel, we literally feel like this is just our warm-up. Overnight like, tenure success. Just, yeah, exactly. Now, people hear all this stuff and they say, wait a second. Have they compromised? Have you compromised on your values when I first saw you? And I see that you are a B Corp. Means yeah. that's, that is the seal of approval. We, but yeah, um, being a B Corp is so important to us. I think for us, sustainability, it's got to be accountable. And I think it's got to be measured. I think what we love about the B Corp, it's measurable. And even like one of our partners, Walmart, they launched this Project Gigaton and letting suppliers track their emission savings. So we're now like a Project Gigaton Gigaguru, which is our highest level of sustainability achievement at Walmart. That's three years running. So for us, like any opportunity we have to be able to lean in and kind of measure and track our sustainability metrics is really important to us. All right, so I know it's still too far from gardening season, but when I get there, where am I going to go to get these products? <laughs> uh, you can now go, and it's crazy as it's 2016, because we've now grown distribution over 15,000 stores. With, and really what makes us super proud is the opportunity to make this accessible to all. We want every single family, every single kid, Jim, to be able to garden at home. Well, look, I think you're absolutely right. And what happened, by the way, to the magic mushrooms? I know they're not magic, but they were sure darn delicious. You're still doing it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have a whole line of indoor grow kits, which you can find accessible at your local store today, too. And, you know, I mean, I think one of the things, too, is the, the grow kit line and really just got us into every single home, every single classroom in America. And, Jim, we talk about this is about the next gen as well. Like, we want to get not even like millennials, we're saying we want to get Gen Z. One of the things we actually uh, have just partnered out with Target and uh, wanted to play it live with you, but uh, didn't have it ready, but wanted to get you, we have a Fortnite and Target partnership. We literally just launched a video game, Jim, all around urban gardening. So the idea is let's get kids and Gen Z to be able to uh, get excited uh, about I'm gardening. Sorry, I missed that, but look, everyone knows I'm a gardener. I did the mushrooms. It was absolutely terrific. I am so excited that you're doing this. This matters greatly. All not just for people who have ne- for people who have never gardened. This is where you start. Yeah. For gardeners like me, this is the kind of stuff we've been waiting for. That's Nick Nikhil Aurora and yeah. Alejandro Velez, co-CEO and co-founders of Back to the Roots. 
From Jim, 2016 can I, to can I say one more thing, What's Jim? That? I'm What's just that? super proud. When we talk about next gen, we mean this. And not even Gen Z, but even five and six-year-olds. So literally this May, we're going to be going. Have you heard of the Home Depot's Kids Workshop? Sure. Happens every month. 500,000 kids will be out there. We're actually donating kids uh, over 10 seed packets per kid. So 500,000 kids will be growing 100% organic seed packets by Back to Roots at the Home Depot. I am Depot so Kids workshop. proud of you guys. Right. Doing Thank it you all so much. Right. Bad money's back in. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Good about Sergeant Cole's rapper. Hopefully, you say the name. It's not telling about it. Just go down the call. You know, play the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dice. Tell the lightning round. I'm going to start with Carter in Maryland. Carter. Hi, my name's Carter. Um, I'd like to shout out my business teacher, Mr. Mark. I was wondering what you think about NVIDIA Corp. Okay, NVIDIA is a, a terrific company, but it sells at a very high price earnings multiple. And we have cooled on stocks that sell at well, well above average price marketers. So we have multiples. So we have pulled back a little bit and sold a lift for the charitable trust. Still have some, though. Let's go to Mark in New Jersey, please. Mark. Hi, Jim. Mark, Love your how energy. are you? Thank Pretty you good, very man. much. What's in your mind? Okay, I'm looking at uh, your position on EV Ghost Stock long term. Oh, you know what? I would love to recommend it because I like. Yeah, I was just going with Ben Stone about the charging stocks, but our biggest fear is again losing money and does not fit our comp- criteria anymore for what we're recommending on Mad Money. Let's go to Richard in New York. Richard. Richard. Hi, Jim. Happy and healthy New Year to you and your family. Oh, uh, thank you, Richard. Same to you. What's going on? I'm calling about AQN, Algonquin Power and Utilities. They're a supplier of electricity, gas water and renewable energy throughout the U.S., Canada, Chile, and Bermuda. They missed their last quarter earnings estimates, but beat sales revenue. The stock has Right, I know, but when they missed the last, you know, here's the problem. That stock yields 10%. That, to me, unless it's an oil gas company, is absolutely a red flag. So I cannot just say I like it. That's that level where I get nervous. Let us do more work and come back. I need to go to Brad, Minnesota. Brad. Hi, Jim. I like your show. Oh, thanks, Brad. Thank you for calling. What's going on? I noticed a lot of insider uh, buying in energy transfer partners. Should I buy more? You know what I think is really interesting? I used to really dislike this company, and I, did, I felt that they were profligate, and that I didn't think that Kelsey Warren had a real good handle on the financials. I now have come around to thinking that ET is actually a very good stock. I can't believe I've said that. But times change, and it's become a better, better stock, and I'm with you on it. I think it's done a good job. Let's go to Joe in Illinois. Joe. Booyah, Jimmy. Booyah. Booyah, Joe. Booyah. I like your thoughts on medical property trust. Thank you. This one, I don't like that particular part of the real estate investment trust. I think that they are too high yielding, which therefore causes me to be concerned that they will not be able to make the distribution. That happens to be the way I look at them. It's a broader sweeping way, but it has kept me out of trouble over multiple years. Let's go to Mark in Massachusetts. Mark. Booyah, Jim from Massachusetts. How are you? 
Excellent. I'm doing fine. How are you? Very good. What is your take on a Massachusetts company, Acellus Technologies, ACLS? They just reported unbelievable numbers. I mean, I've got to tell you, some of these companies in this business are doing amazingly well. And you got to hand it to them. You got to end the negativity when they're doing well. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, there's something new every day. Kramer shares an approach to the market that's tailored to you. Next. Let the data develop and forget the endless commentary. The U.S. economy is not a game. It's going to do what it's going to do, and it's meaningless for anyone other than Fed Chief Jay Powell to bloviate about it. I know that practically every day we get some sort of update about it, some piece of data, some comment from a Fed official that impacts bonds in the stock market. It's a very compelling parlor game. It inspires constant trading, gives people like me an endless swell of content. Let me ask you, is that what we want? Should we really try to guess each day how much the Fed will tighten or if they'll bother to tighten at all? Do we truly want to figure out what j is likely to do from scratch every single session? To me, that feels less like investing and more like rank speculation. It's why I started the show tonight with how to handle earnings, not how to handle today's last half hour of trading. Look, everyone has an opinion, but I think this chatter is a foolish guessing game. You're much better off searching for quality stocks that work regardless of what the Fed does. If you play this part of the game, you are liable to be captured by fear and miss the main chance. We know the Fed has said endlessly that it's dependent on the data before it makes its next move. Right now, they want to err on the side of stamping out inflation. That's what these Fed officials say almost every time they're interviewed. And each time the market reacts because it's somehow regarded as new information. Frankly, that is just silly. The real information comes from the economy itself. Jay Powell's not going to stop or even pause the rate hikes until he sees a string of disinflationary numbers. That's what he's told us. Take the man at his word, for heaven's sake. Yet commentators act like every single piece of information is somehow a game changer. Last Friday, we got three different softer macro numbers, lower than expected wages, uh, slower factory orders, and a weakened read on the service economy. For a couple of days, we heard about the importance of these, non- these numbers nonstop. And we forgot them entirely. Thursday, we'll get a new consumer price index number. It'll be either too hot or not. We'll have another wave of commentary about what the Fed will do. Hey, maybe it'll be completely, uh, uh, maybe it'll undo the rally from last Friday. Maybe it'll spur more speculation about what'll happen next. I say this is all an idle guessing game, and it should stop. The data will come in as it comes in. The Fed will make its decision the way it wants to. I don't know a soul who's correctly predicted all of j actions during this tidy cycle, or cycle. However, I do know hundreds of people who got it wrong, including Fed presidents, governors, both current and former, and most importantly, a host of billionaire hedge fund managers. I say the data is the data. Right now, people are predicting a minus 0.1% number for the month-over-month CPI reading. Terrific. But if it comes in positive, lots of commentators will tell us we're in trouble. That's too hot. If it comes in at, say, 0.5% or more, we'll hear that the Fed really needs to crack down because it's crazy out there. Be ready for a crash landing. Here's what you really need to know. We're trying to own, not rent, stocks of companies that make real things and do real stuff at a profit. 
We want companies that return some of those profits to shareholders. We want their stocks to be priced relatively, uh, let's say, reasonable to the market. That's the plan. If a given piece of data allows us to invest in a company that fits that criteria, We'll buy it. We'll buy it for the charitable trust as part of the CNBC Investing Club. If not, we'll hold off. That's it. That's called investing. Don't play the part of the game. Invest in great companies and don't let the nonstop Fed speculation keep you from doing that. Believe me, the chatter has probably kept more people out of good stocks than in them. So don't be confused. Do not be scared. Find things you like and let the market come to you. There's nothing more to it. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.